0: brilliant good afternoon are you okay you look very excited behind your masks i can't tell i'm sure you are uh if you have anyone that you think oh, i'm just not sure that they would respond that well to alpha I'm not sure that they'd respond well to me talking to them about this kind of thing can i just can i just encourage you just keep praying god is a God of miracles. And there are people sitting in this room, there are people part of this church, there are people part of churches across the city who other people wouldn't have expected to say yes to going along to something like Alpha or talking more about faith. So if that's you, if you're thinking, well, these people are just not ready yet, leave that up to God. Pray. Ask the question. Say no. No harm done. Ask them again another time. Yeah? Yeah? All right, we're continuing in our series, Life to Live, in the book of Ephesians. So if you have a Bible with you, turn there, and in just a moment we'll be in chapter 5. Now it's interesting, isn't it, to see what people get up to on their holidays. I think it kind of tells you quite a bit about someone um, when you see what it is that they're up to on their holidays. What are they looking out for? What do they like to spend their time doing? when they're away. And I know this is a bit insensitive, talking about holidays right now, sorry. Um, But Lindsay and I went on holiday a few years ago to Italy, uh, to Tuscany. And um, to be honest with you, the thing that I probably looked out for most was uh, places that sold chiabattas with parma ham and drippy gorgonzola and oh, food tends to be what I look out for. It might be a gelato ice cream that I was looking for. But there was one other thing that I was looking for quite a bit when I was on holiday. And that was duomos, cathedrals. I love a cathedral. I just love it. I love going into a cathedral. I love going into them because you can see centuries worth of people having come and tried to discover something of God. And I love, the gar- I love looking at the gargoyles, I love looking at the stained glass windows, and I love looking at all these paintings and frescoes and trying to work out what was it that they were trying to say. What were these, what are they telling me about what they believed and what they were about, and what they were communicating to people at the time. But at the same time, it kind of tears me up. Because I'm going round and I'm thinking, oh man, like these, these are amazing, these are beautiful. There's something so incredible about these and some of them are telling me that there is some faithful Christian witness in this place for years and years and years and isn't that wonderful? But at the same time, there, is, there are things that tell me, oh man, this is, this is, a, this is communicating so much less of what the real message of Christianity is. That there's something that people have are been coming here faithfully looking for God and some of what is on offer has been stolen from them, held back from them. God had more for them than what is being displayed in this building. And think all the money being spent in this place when it could have been given to the poor so i i come out of those places kind of torn like wasn't that beautiful and amazing and glorious and at the same time wasn't it kind of sad and actually kind of disappointing well today in ephesians 5 we're going to see that as beautiful as these sanctuaries are and the stories that they tell can be we are not just called to worship in religious museums with saints on walls, flickering candles, and echoing choirs. In fact, we are called to be holy saints, illuminating lights, filled sanctuaries, and resounding choirs. We are supposed to be those things. Holy people lighting up dark places, filled with power, and singing songs of praise. We are Calling today, God defeats darkness. And you need to know that when you put your trust in Jesus, he defeats that darkness in you. And then he uses you to defeat darkness in dark places. He lights you up. He loves to use you like a shining light. In the darkest of places. Think of the darkest of places around this city. God loves to use people like you to light those places up. So turn with me. Ephesians 5. And we're starting in verse 5. And we'll read all the way through to verse 20. It says this. For of this you can be sure, no immoral impure or greedy person such a person is an idolater has any inheritance in the kingdom of christ and of god let no one deceive you with empty words for because of such things god's wrath comes on those who are disobedient therefore do not be partners with them for you were once darkness but now you are light in the lord Becomes a light. This is why it is said, Wake up, sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine which leads to debauchery instead be filled with the spirit speaking to one another with psalms hymns and songs from the spirit sing and make music from your heart to the lord always giving thanks to god and father uh, so to god the father for everything in the name of our lord jesus christ shall we pray Can we do this? Can we stand together and pray? Lord, as we stand now together, we declare to you, you are king, king over all things. And Lord, we we thank you that you have revealed to us the good news that we have been given new life, that once we walked in death. But now we have been given life. Thank you, Jesus, that you have lit us up. You have shone your light upon us. God, we stand in your light. And Lord, as we receive from you, God, we plead with you, help it not just wash over us, but transform us. Make us more like you, Jesus. Reveal to us, God, where are the places in our lives that we're just complacent? Not realizing the glory of what you've given us. Make us so much more like Jesus. Not, not just because we want to be improved. No, no, we, we want to make much of you. We want to glorify you. And we want people around us to see how good you are. Help us enjoy you and welcome others into that enjoyment. Come, Lord Jesus, by the power of your Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Why don't you grab a seat? Okay. Well, the first thing I want us to see is that we are holy saints. It's not about saints on walls. It's not about what the church has done in do not many denominations for centuries, which is to essentially watch to see how impressive someone is. And then in the end, say, well, I think they're, they're worthy of being a saint. And in doing that, they canonize them. Say. So, This person is now worthy of being a saint. Now, if you jumped into chapter 5 and you began reading in verse 5 and you've finished reading in verse 7, you could be forgiven for thinking, ah, yeah, that makes sense. Of course, we we must work for holy approval. might even achieve, achieve sainthood. It's like being announced on the Queen's birthday honors list that was released this week. OBEs, MBEs, reserved... For the most impressive contributions in the United Kingdom. Well maybe it's the same in the Kingdom of God. The sainthood reserved for the most impressive of people. But Paul presents a totally different view. As ESV translates it in chapter 1 verse 1. To the saints who are in Ephesus. Whole church. He addresses the church. He says to them. Saints, brand new ones, ones who call themselves rubbish Christians, ones who aren't confident, ones who are really confident, ones with lots of gifts and abilities, ones who feel that they don't have lots of gifts and abilities, every single one of them called saints. Put your trust in Jesus, saint. A clue in verse five that helps us here. Is that when it says immoral impure and greedy people refers to them as idolaters idolaters why does it refer to them as idolaters well it refers to them as idolaters because they have a bigger problem than behavior modification this isn't about oh i need i need to just become a better person i need to improve in character no no there's a bigger problem going on here people have been worshipping the wrong thing humanity has a worship problem and it it leads to the saddest moment that anyone could ever have in their existence like we see at the end of verse 5 to come to the end of life and not receive the kingdom of god now this is a warning not only to the person who isn't a church gore. This is a warning to even the church gore. Everyone worships something all the time. We are made for worship. We're worshipers, that's who we are. If worship to you is only about songs and about attending a church gathering once, maybe twice a week. And then for every other minute of your life you're not worshiping, well then you're worshiping something else for those minutes. No wonder behavior modification, improvement in character, increased holiness, is hard for you. How do you change your behavior? How do you become more like Jesus? How is it that your life looks more like his? Be true to who you already are. A saint who is a worshiper. Who is holy. And that's what verse 8 is driving at. You were darkness, now you are Light, step into what you are. Be who you are. You have a life to live, as our title for this series is very strongly suggesting. Be the saints you are, and live a life of holy worship. No longer a child of disobedience says Paul, now you're a child of God. Children of God. Are Uncondi- loved unconditionally unconditionally so no matter what that looks like for you no matter where you're at in your journey with becoming more like Jesus you are unconditionally loved but we need to be clear as we worship God in that secure knowledge of his unconditional love we want to love him more and as we love him more we become more like him it does not mean let's go set up a commune somewhere live as monks on a scottish island in the middle of nowhere that would be that just sounds cold to me oh i'm a city boy can't handle that saints burn brightly with the flame of jesus As candles in the darkest of places so you you go to a a cathedral and you go to light a candle well that is a maybe a beautiful act of faith of some kind but you're supposed to be the candle you are the illuminating lights a family friend recently lost her battle with cancer. And in this faith-filled act, people lit what are called votive prayer candles for her in their church. Beautiful thing to do. But somewhere along the line, Christendom got encouraging the church to primarily invite people to sacred spaces, buildings, and rely on things like lighting candles and other symbolic acts when the new testament has a major emphasis on going go be the candle be the light be lights in darkness pray for people out there offer prayer to people be with people listen to people talk to people out there You are the lights. You are the candles. That means intentionally going to dark places. Jesus constantly was criticized. But who was it that was criticizing him? The religious people. If you've been caught in a picture recently, it's been put on Instagram with... A bunch of people who have had too many sarsaparillas. And you get caught up in that. You know in your own heart you weren't drunk. But you were out with them enjoying yourself. Enjoying being with them. Not able to enjoy all of it because of who you are. That light in a dark place. But you love those people and you're there anyway. And you start to feel the religious judgment by people. As your picture goes up on Instagram. Good. Good. Keep shining in the dark places. Jesus had that criticism too. Verse 11 helps us see how this works. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. John Wesley famously said. Light yourself on fire with passion and people will come from miles to watch you burn. This is John 17 language. Remember Jesus praying the night before he was arrested? Some of the words were recorded for us. John 17 verse 15 says this, my prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of it. Sanctify them by the truth, your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. We are called to be in it, in the world, but not of it. Not being carried away with it, but there in the presence of people who desperately need Jesus, who are overcome with darkness, and need the light of God. Jesus prays for us to neither hide away from this dark world or live as though we are in darkness. Look again, as verse eight continues. Where is the source of this light? In the Lord. So Paul says, in him is righteousness goodness and truth in jesus to live as you are dwelling in righteousness goodness truth and truth is about living the life that you have already received in jesus It's about living life in intimacy with jesus about being close with him if we want to have more light shining from us in the way that we live we got to be intimate with him Huh, so the source is not a sacred building. It's in Jesus, the light of the world. That the Jesus who revealed himself to you, the Jesus who is offering this relationship with you. I'm not against lighting candles. But they are purely symbolic. Jesus holds all the power to answer prayer and to live life as lights in a dark world. So, where do we find the wisdom to do that? Because it's not easy, is it? I mean, we can talk about this stuff, but how do you actually do it? How do you not just get carried away in the darkness or hide away from the darkness? Well, to do it, we need to go to his word. It seems like that's a, Bible, that's a Sunday school answer, isn't it? But here it is. We go to him who is truth. Jesus himself is a place we need to go. A relationship with him that includes delving deep into his word. Which is ultimately about him. Genesis to Revelation. Revelation. And that is why we are doing Grace Bible reading. Rebegins again tomorrow. Guys, if you feel, but we're in Numbers tomorrow. And 1 Thessalonians. Numbers is a wonderful book. But if you've not read it, you might not know that. <laughs> it's a kind of book with a title that puts you off. But actually, there's so much in there. There's so much story of faith and how God's people are being led by him in great power encourage you get into your bibles find jesus there spend time with him there spend time in prayer and intimacy with him burn brightly for you are the candles the light of jesus has illuminated you not eliminated thankfully illuminated you he has lit you up and he's going to go with you into those dark corners of Glasgow and beyond. So let's not hide away. Let's shine like stars in a dark night. We're his illuminating candles. We're also God's peaceful sanctuaries. Sometimes I walk into buildings and I just sense there's a real peace of God in that building. You ever get that? Now I think what that is, is the spirit revealing something of the spiritual atmosphere. But when we feel like that, we need to be clear that that is not because the bricks and the mortar have somehow got some kind of magical power. It's the story unfolding inside those walls and windows that is told by what is present there in that building that sense of peace about his people and his faithfulness to them of promises. So, for instance, in a a place like a Duomo or a cathedral or a church, I often think that it's probably that promises have been made at weddings before God. It's because baptisms have been declaring faith for centuries. It's of the hundreds, the thousands of people who have broken bread and taken communion together and faithfully put their trust in Jesus and confessed sin and 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 trusted Him. So the preaching, declaring the glory of God and the good news of Jesus, the Christ, who has come to save us, our Messiah, of the people who have turned away from their old ways and gone a new way, the new way of Christ and decided to live with him, give their lives to him. I think it's the worn architecture that tells us of real people in love with the real, living, risen Jesus. I think it's those things that give us peace when we're in those places. It's the stories of true sanctuaries, the fleshy bodies of the saints, a diverse bride of Christ, the spirits work in those sanctuaries that gives us a peace when we walk into those kinds of buildings. The phrase here, filled with wine, in verse 18, was used to describe people totally under the influence of alcohol. So you might say totally wasted. You might have a phrase like that. Well, Paul's phrase was filled with wine. Paul is saying, be totally under the influence of the Spirit of God instead. Let the Holy Spirit control you. Be the temples, the sanctuaries of God's presence that you are. 1 Corinthians 3.16 says this, do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's Spirit dwells in you? Once the people of God had the Ark of the Covenant and the the temple or the tabernacle before that. And the presence was in the midst of their camp in the heart of the people. But it wasn't in the people themselves. They couldn't access it. But now, through Jesus, because of what he has done, he was raised from the dead, ascended on high, and poured out his spirit when the church was born the Holy Spirit rested on the people and entered into the people of God. And we became the temples. We became the sanctuaries, the places where God dwells on earth. So when Paul says to be filled with the Holy Spirit, he's reminding the people that they are vessels the Spirit of God, for God himself. And actually, he uses the present imperative. In other words, we must keep being filled with the Spirit. Keep pursuing a life in the Spirit. You may have been filled with the Spirit already. You've had an experience where the Holy Spirit flooded you and something just changed. Well, God would say to you, keep being filled with the Holy Spirit keep pursuing more of the Holy Spirit, being under the control of the Holy Spirit. We believe that there is both a significant moment in a Christian's life when they are filled with the Spirit for the first time and continuing experiences of the Spirit, being filled with the Spirit. You cannot be a Christian without the Spirit's work in you. But the Bible does describe this kind of infilling, empowering of the Spirit that is vital for growing in your relationship with God and being empowered for the mission that he has you on and discovering more of the glorious gifts that he loves to shower in his people. And actually, he just loves to give good gifts to his children. And this is the good gift that he loves to keep giving to us time and time again. An empowering, filling of the Holy Spirit. Now, in Acts, we see instances of people receiving the Spirit the moment that they have faith in Jesus. And for others, it happens later. In my experience, I received the Spirit for faith but was not filled, what I would describe as filled, with the Holy Spirit until a few years later. The difficulty is that that language is used both for becoming a Christian in the Bible and for when um, there is this kind of secondary infilling of the Holy Spirit that we would talk about. And we're going to explain more about that next week. So what we're going to do is we're going to pause and we're just going to talk a little bit more in depth about this. And then we're going to ask the Holy Spirit to come and fill us afresh and ask that God would give us some new gifts in the church. So next week, that's what we're going to do. I'd love to pause here a bit longer and really get into it, but um, we're just going to get real practical next week and ask the Holy Spirit to be the one who's doing that. And to come and move in power and fall upon us. So looking forward to that next week. But for now, just know that we are called to desire to pursue this life of continually being filled with the Spirit. Jesus made you holy. That's what we declared when we said you're a saint. You're the saints. And now you are the sanctuary because the presence of God is able to flood you, to be in you, to constantly make you. Like a temple. Alright, number four, resounding choirs. Resounding choirs. I love a choir. What a wonderful thing it is when you go into, you know, you've been searching out a duomo on holiday like I do. And uh you enter in. The best thing is when it's like a little secret chapel, and you didn't know it was there. It's like down down a little side alley. Oh, look at this. <laughs> Once you get so excited, not really. And we go inside and There's a choir, even better. I love it. I love a wee choir. Now, the one thing that is better than discovering a choir in a Duomo somewhere in Italy is when you realize that God has made you to be part of his heavenly choir. That's more miraculous for people like me, trust me, to know that I am selected as one of God's choir. Um, for some of you like Jen, who's gonna be singing later, it's probably not quite so miraculous. But for me, I'm like, What? Part of the choir? This is amazing. It's like getting picked for the sports team when you never get picked for the teams, you know. Anyway, when we're filled with the spirit, he causes us to want to sing. It's it's just in us. It's why we find it so difficult as Christians right now not to sing. Our instinctive response, response to God is to declare his goodness in song. We love to do it. And notice too that here, it's not just about personal singing and, and our own enjoyment, but there's a one anothering here, an, an act of worship that is for one another. Verse 19, we're not only speaking to God, but one another. We are lifting each other up in song and that's really what congregational worship we talk about that that's what that is we're lifting each other up in song as we worship god lindsay and i got some pretty disappointing news on wednesday morning we discovered that we had to pay a bit of a hefty tax on our new purchase house purchase that we had been advised we advised we didn't have to pay and we were kind of just you know in that when you get news like that and You're trying to process it and work out what to do. So we just spent some time praying together. And for a lot of it, we sang. Now, as we sang about Jesus, we felt ourselves being lifted up, lifted into his presence. Singing worship is what John Wesley called a means of grace. Something God has specifically given us, like prayer, hearing or reading God's words, like communion, like giving to the poor, that is designed to focus and raise our faith. So, in this time, where we aren't able to sing in this kind of setting, can I encourage you, where we can't sing together, will you keep singing in the car, at home, in your bedroom, in your kitchen, out on walks, wherever you can, sing. Sing. Declare his praise. Feel your faith rise. And, to be honest, I haven't done this. I only thought about it this week. (laughs) But other than the odd time that Lindsay and I might sing together, often enough we'd love to do it more we don't i don't really sing with people outside of a congregational setting but i think in this time maybe we should be arranging to do things like that hey like you can only meet one other household right (laughs) so grab someone say hey i'm not the best singer in the world but i just want to go and sing like raw praise to god with, with someone will you do that with me Will you come with me on a walk somewhere? It's a dry day tomorrow. It looks like a dry day tomorrow, Paul. Me and Paul are going singing tomorrow. And just belt out songs to God. Just do it. Lift each other up in song. And one of the reasons that Lindsay and I were really blessed by just singing together the other day is because we were speaking truth over each other. So Paul wrote a parallel letter to the church in Colossae, and then he says this let the word of christ dwell in you richly teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to god do you see that so the introduction is a bit different but then almost identical language so our songs flow from scripture the words of god fill our minds revealing to us who we are in God who are what our new identities are and our song worship must take the word of Christ and declare its truth declare this book that we've been given that's why so many worship songs are almost word for word quotes from the bible because we want to declare this we want to declare the truth we want to declare God's word and lift one another up in it And as we do, our hearts will be filled up with thankfulness, says verse 20. So as you sing truth, and as Jen comes and sings truth to us in a minute, we are going to be led with truth sung over us that then leads us to be filled up with thankfulness. Do you see that? So, as we fill our minds with the truth, we then see that our emotions start to well up. We start to fill up. Our emotions respond. Our hearts respond. We want to know and feel God in worship. Beware when you begin to sideline either of them. We need truth and experience of God in worship. Now, while we can't sing, let me keep urging you to make music in your heart as well. So even as Jen is singing, make music in your heart as it says here. Make it part of your times with God. Be very deliberate about singing. It's important. Sometimes I think we just think it's something we just do on a Sunday. Because it's so much more than that. Singing is something that raises us up into the presence of God. Now, I love a cathedral. I do. I think they're great. But let's be clear, we are made for much more than religious experiences in so-called sanctified buildings. We are the holy saints. We are the illuminating candles. We are the filled sanctuaries and the resounding choirs. God defeats darkness and he loves to light up this dark world with The light he puts in you. So if you're a Christian, be who you are. A holy people, lighting up the dark places, filled with the presence of God and singing songs of faith. And if you're not a Christian, it's time you were. Put your trust in God. Now in a moment, uh, Johnny is going to come and lead us in communion. But what I'd like to do, I've not really communicated this with you guys, but why don't you guys come on up and um, if you could lead us, that would be wonderful. Johnny, why don't you come up as well and um, I'll praise you do and uh, Johnny will explain to us how we're going to do communion while these guys play. Father Help us not to be people who make new religious museums. It's a matter of tradition or how we do things. I think often we can still make church like a religious museum, just with new ways of doing it. Lord, would this be heartfelt? Would we know the truth of who you have made us to be? Would we not think that it's about the institution or the structure or the building that has some kind of power, but be reminded that it is you in us that is doing this extraordinary thing? Lord, fill us afresh by the power of your Holy Spirit. We need you, Lord Jesus, in every way. Holy Spirit, would you increasingly fall upon us. Fill us afresh. Make every part of us yours. Thank you for what you have made us what you've already done for us. Lord, help us to walk, to step into it, to walk in the ways that you've called us. Come Holy Spirit now, speak to us, we pray. Amen.